0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Progressive News Network. That's PNN for Sunday, February 28th, 2021. I'm your host, Brooke Hines. And this week we have Janine Moloff with the Justice Report on We Are Not Dying for Wall Street, the continued uh, examination of how billionaires are getting richer and the rest of us are getting poorer and dying. Uh, it's their one simple trick, and um, it's uh, stealing basically. So, stay tuned for that in later on in the show. We also have Anthony and Comrade from Move Left Idiots, my one of my favorite all-time podcasts, joining us to kind of bookend. Uh, when I was on their show on 1621 uh, on the sixth, when the Capitol siege was going on, so we are going to uh, kind of mull that over and a few other, a few other things as well. And uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes so that you can find the episode that I was on on their show because that was wild. You know, we were just. We had planned to to record a show, and we and all of that started happening at the Capitol, and we were watching it in real time, and uh, we were gobsmacked. It was very interesting to go back and, and look at, you know, how little there was to know at the time, and, and also how much there was to know at the time, because it was obvious that there wasn't a response that you would expect there to be, say, for instance, if a a random group of 50 people show up to uh, protest um, uh, in the movement for black lives, you will be met with a a giant police force. And it doesn't matter what, what town you're in, uh, what what happened in DC with black lives matter. And the George Floyd protest was, uh, was terrifying. So to see On that day, on the 6th of January, that the Capitol Police and Washington, D.C. were completely unprepared for a protest that was absolutely being planned out in the open. It just makes you wonder. And we were wondering on that day out loud. So I will leave a note, leave a link for that in the show notes. I have two count them two more interviews to share with you one with Isha Krishna Swarmy on propaganda and uh imperialism and I also have Chris Richards recorded in uh, interview he's the eclectic radical he has a new show on YouTube and uh as does Isha she's doing Sundays with Lenin uh and I talked to Chris about the uh, History of the Left, uh, What is Libertarian Socialism? And we riff on those subjects and a few more. So be on the lookout for that. I'll probably drop those either on Sunday or on a PNN Extra during the middle of the week. This week, some really interesting news. And there's some stuff I I really got to get into for you. Uh, You know about the parliamentarian. You know about all that, uh, that the parliamentarian who serves at the pleasure of the uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, uh, she said that uh, that we can't have the um, minimum wage increase to $15 an hour because something having to do with the uh, rules in the Senate. Now, I want to make sure that our listeners are aware of what the real truth is here with this. And to give you insight into that, I'm going to play this little seg- segment of David Sirota on All Things Considered from earlier this week.
1: The notion of the Democrats blaming essentially one of their own advisors who issued a non-binding opinion uh, where Kamala Harris can simply as presiding officer of the Senate ignore that opinion and advance the minimum wage the idea that this is the fault of uh, or, or or is responsible the parliamentarian is responsible for Democrats not being able to do anything is just absurd and belied by by the by the facts and so then the question becomes well why are they trying to not do a 15 15- $15 minimum wage, why would you come up with an excuse not to do that? Kamala Harris can simply ignore the parliamentarian. Uh the budget the b- budget bill can include the $15 minimum wage. When when Mitch McConnell tries to oppose the minimum wage, Kamala Harris can simply say your point of order is not recognized, and then the Republicans would need 60 votes to overturn Kamala Harris's move in that situation.
0: So there you have it. This whole uh uproar over the parliamentarian. And, uh, oh, good Lord, there's nothing that we can do about this. I guess we'll just have to not have a $15 minimum wage. All of that is baloney. They can, uh, Kamala Harris can overrule it. And then the Republicans would have to come up with 60 votes. And on what planet do you not want to force Republicans to vote on a minimum wage hike when it's at the lowest it's been in history. So there you have it on that issue, and we'll be keeping an eye on this. Another thing I that came across my radar this week is Biden's administration wants to charge $170 for COVID tests for reporters every time they come to the White House. Just a just a note, just a point of information on this. You know who can afford that is the New York Times and the Washington Post and Time Magazine. You know, like the big, uh, the big players in in the media realm. The people who cannot afford this are independent media. And so this charging a hundred and charging reporters one hundred and seventy dollars for a COVID test every single time they come to the White House. This is something. That I think if Trump had been doing this, people would have been losing their mind. And you're not hearing much about it. You're not hearing anything about it. This is one of those stories that is uh, falling under the radar. Another story that is falling under the radar. Twitter is deleting accounts that undermine faith in NATO. Now remember that Twitter... Uh, employs gordon mcmillan a captain in the uk's 77th brigade psychological warfare uh division as a as a twitter executive so you know just let that wash over you and so the news item reads uh twitter said a hundred accounts with Russian ties, were removed for amplifying narratives that, quote, undermined faith in NATO and targeted the United States and the European Union. Uh, Russia's foreign ministry spokeswoman, Maria Sakharova said that that Moscow planned to look into the grounds for Twitter blocking the accounts. This is from TASS News Agency. Now, what this is really about is Armenia and Azerbaijan. Uh, and if you spend much time on Twitter, you are going to run up against the uh, military bots that are on NATO side. You're, It's just going to happen. If you're interested in anything having to do with war and peace, you are going to run up against uh, these accounts, and you're going to wonder, what the heck? Why are all of these people sound like the exact same person? Well, right now, there is a vast network of Turkish Azerbaijani botnets operating freely on Twitter with tens of thousands. Obviously fake July 2020 originated accounts existed existing only to violently intimidate Armenians and other victims of Turkish aggression. The rules are totally different for them, okay? Uh, do you know much about what's going on in Armenia and Azerbaijan? Do you get that news when you watch MSNBC or CNN? I don't think so. Uh, This is the kind of news that would be on uh, network television every single night if we were back in the 70s or even the 80s. And uh, back when they used to cover international affairs, foreign affairs and war and peace. And it's just not done anymore. And so... It just sounds really kind of weird and off the wall when you get these stories about social media taking a keen interest in whether or not anyone has faith in NATO. Faith. Faith in NATO. Now, remember that the NATO-aligned uh, Atlantic Council is in charge of fact-checking for, uh, for Facebook. Uh, these are not neutral players in our social media uh, theater. So just a refresher course on what NATO is. On March 4, 1947, the Treaty of Dunkirk was signed by France and the United Kingdom as a treaty of alliance and mutual assistance in the event of a possible attack by Germany or the Soviet Union in the aftermath of World War II. In 1948, this alliance was expanded to include the Benelux countries in the form of a Western Union, also referred to as the Brussels Treaty Organization or BTO and talks for a new military alliance which could also include North America resulted in the signature of the North Atlantic Treaty on April 4, 1949 by the member states of the Western Union plus the United States, Canada, Portugal, Italy, Norway, Denmark and Iceland. The North Atlantic Treaty was largely dormant until the Korean War initiated establishment of NATO to implement it by means of an integrated military structure. This included the formation of Supreme Headquarters of Allied Powers Europe, also known as SHAPE, in 1951, which adopted the Western Union's military structures and plans. Now, NATO is a relic of the Cold War. And back in the 70s and 80s, when you heard people talking about NATO, you always heard people talk about NATO in relation to the Warsaw Pact countries. Now, the Warsaw Pact uh, uh, countries signed a similar treaty of organization or or, uh, was the Warsaw Treaty Organization, officially the Treaty of Friendship, Cooperation and Mutual Assistance, known as the Warsaw Pact. Uh, And that was a collective defense treaty signed in Warsaw, Poland, between the Soviet Union and seven other Eastern Bloc uh, republics of Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, This was in May of 1955. This was six years after the NATO treaty was signed. And for years thereafter, it was NATO versus the Warsaw Pact countries is the uh, main players in the Cold War. And so why, why are we bringing back all of this Cold War detritus into our social media environment? What's going on there? Why why is the Atlantic Council a fact checker on Facebook, and why are people getting kicked off of Twitter for not having faith? You know, show, undermining the faith in NATO. What is that? I mean, I don't recall even during the Cold War there being such overt measures towards uh you know what what the uh, a, a kind of Ministry of Truth, you know what people can and cannot think or can and cannot say in public. And on that note, there is another story that I want you to be aware of. Uh, Over at the Gray Zone, uh, they published a real important article last week. It was uh, Max Blumenthal's article about the uh, explosive leaks revealing a massive UK government anti-Russia propaganda operation involving Reuters, the BBC, and Bellingcat. All right, now... When that article went up and they started uh, uh, promoting it on Twitter, uh, Twitter slapped a warning on it that said, these materials may have been obtained through hacking. And to everyone's knowledge, that is the first time that that warning has ever been used. And it backfired stupendously because the story went viral uh, with people retweeting the tweet and putting a different image in the the header so so you could have a, an an image of you know a cat looking at its foot and it says these materials may have been obtained through hacking it's pretty funny but the end result was that the gray zone got more traffic than they've ever gotten for this one particular article because of this this, uh, um, you know, silly kind of gamer thing where where the uh, piece went went viral. Now, let's talk about Max Blumenthal's story because this is just gobsmacking. Newly leaked documents show Reuters and the BBC's involvement in covert UK programs to affect, quote, attitudinal change and, quote, weaken the Russian state's influence alongside Intel con- contractors Bellingcat. And so it starts out, The UK Foreign and Commonwealth Office, otherwise known as FCO, have sponsored Reuters and the BBC to conduct a series of covert programs aimed at promoting regime change inside Russia and undermining its government across Eastern Europe and Central Asia, according to a series of leaked documents. These materials show that the Thomson Reuters Foundation and BBC Media Action participating in covert information warfare campaign aimed at countering Russia. Working through a shadowy department within the UK FCO known as the Counter Disinformation and Media Development, CDMD, the media organizations operated alongside a collection of intelligence contractors in a secret entity simply known as the Consortium. I mean, you. If you pitched this as as a script idea, they would say, no, that's too on the nose. That would never happen, okay? Through training programs of Russian journalists overseen by Reuters, the British Foreign Office sought to produce an attitudinal change in the participants, promoting a positive impact on their perception of the UK. These revelations show that when MPs were railing about Russia, British agents were using the BBC and Reuters to deploy precisely the same tactics that politicians and media commentators were accusing Russia of using. That quote is from Chris Williamson, a former UK Labour MP who attempted to apply public scrutiny to the CDMD's covert activities and was stonewalled on national security grounds. So this is explosive stuff. Uh, you're probably familiar with uh, with the idea of Operation Mockingbird, and so Mockingbird was uh, the United States. And if you go to the Wikipedia page, you'll see an alleged, you get a legend in there. Operation Mockingbird is an alleged large-scale program of the United States Central Intelligence Agency that began in the early years of the Cold War and attempted to manipulate news media for propaganda purposes. And now I know a lot of people will look at you if you bring up Operation Mockingbird. They'll look at you like you've lost your goddamn mind. But... We now have very recent evidence that uh, these operations are still in effect. At this time, uh, the evidence points to the U.K. uh, working with the BBC and Reuters. And who knows when documents will be leaked that will show us that uh, American media are engaged in the same kind of activity currently. Now, a friendly reminder that the only reason we know about Operation Mockingbird was that because in 1975 uh, there was something called the Church Committee Congressional Investigations, which revealed agency connections with journalists and civic groups. And of course, because Wikipedia is what Wikipedia is, uh, this article on uh, Operation Mockingbird is basically a stub. And what words it does put up here it um it it paints operation mockingbird as something that was very limited Uh, it only mentions ramparts magazine as having participated in mockingbird but we know that there were other participants we know for instance that gloria steinem was uh, participating in this we know uh of um of all sorts of means in which the CIA either paid or threatened journalists to do its work. Now, to me, when I think back to the Cold War uh, and some of the things that happened in uh, U.S. relations with Russia over the last uh, bunch of decades, uh, this is one of the ones that I find most disturbing because we rely on the news media and especially back in the 70s and 80s you know there was only the the network news channels if the cia was totally controlling the message you know through through these gatekeepers these, these this bottleneck of gatekeepers which was network news then what were we learning really if not just the propaganda and the press releases that our intelligence agencies wanted us to know. And so now they're freaking out and they want to make sure that just regular people on social media don't do anything to undermine the faith in, uh, in, in NATO or in these uh, intelligence services. Uh, they've got the gray zone under their uh, watchful eye, which means you should have the gray zone on your daily reading list. Make sure you get over there. Become a Patreon. Uh support their work. They are there are so few journalists that are actually doing real journalism these days. Um you really have to embrace the ones who are doing the work. Okay. With that, I am going to Take it over to my interview with Anthony and Comrade with uh, Move Left Idiots. And I really hope you enjoy this as much as I did. And we're here with Anthony and Comrade with the Move Left Idiots podcast, which is one of my favorites. And I uh, thought we would talk about a few of the things going on this week through the lens of a, kind of a socialist perspective, which is something a little new and different for the PNN uh, audience. So, uh, hey, guys.
2: Hey. what it is Thanks for having us on.
0: I am so glad to have you guys. Um You know, the last time I talked to you guys, and I want, I I want to put a a link down in the show notes, was on the 6th of January, the day that the siege was going down in the Capitol. And, uh, and we were all kind of in a state of shock. I know I was, Uh, there was just a lot going on. And and I didn't quite, nobody could quite put their head around what was going on. And so it's been uh, over a month. Since then, and we're starting to move into this new phase, with with all of that, and I, I kind of wanted to get your your vibe on this. What do you, what are you looking forward? What do you think is going to happen? Because states are starting to push anti protest measures, and, uh,
3: well, as considering as that may be, I think we all have to agree that uh, January sixth was worse than nine eleven. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> god which which, which um, idiot uh tweet on that was, that was on Brooklyn, tweet dad. Brooklyn dad Brooklyn right, dad was right. the uh the I would have voted for Obama's third term guy who put that one out there and somebody <laughs> what was the other one that somebody had yesterday that um what Michael Jackson did was worse than what OJ did? oh my god
2: Wait, <laughs> right 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 no that was that was on the level like, um you know what OJ did because that's uh, Yeah. So somebody uh, just I'll I'll read it real quick because somebody tweeted out uh, a picture of uh, like a bunch of people from We Are The World, like Springsteen, Michael Jackson, Bob Dylan, Cyndi Lauper, and someone like under that tweeted, uh, somehow people are still able to compartmentalize what Michael Jackson did. Like no one could take OJ Simpson seriously for a second. But what Michael Jackson did was way worse yeah <laughs> like yeah. and i said to you i was like uh, oj basically fucking like cut his wife's head off like he was trying to mount it on a wall and look and, i'm and not saying either one's and her boyfriend right right, <laughs> right. At, or not even her boyfriend yeah right some just some yeah.
3: guy but boyfriend yeah. boyfriend slash limo driver so yeah that's the right. socialist People are on january 6th um yeah i mean like it, everything we saw was like holy shit that's uh, we've never seen that Anything like that before. Um, not that there haven't been riots on the Capitol. That's certainly happened many, many times throughout our history. It's just, you know, we don't learn about that kind of stuff. But the first time you lose cops don't them inside, in. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, usually they have the National Guard there uh, burning down the Hooverville and shooting people before they got anywhere near the Capitol building. But um, yeah, I mean, we also have, you know, every single person there has a cell phone. So you're seeing it from every conceivable angle. Where you wouldn't have had that back in the 1930s when when that was happening there or uh, in previous race riots that happened in Washington D.C. So you know, but they what was it? There's like over 20 Capitol Police that are being uh, investigated now for like participating. 30, yeah. yeah, and then this this thing comes out where the uh, some of these guys had like met personally with the
2: Secret Service, <laughs> like like they <it's> just. <laughs> you know, like, well, yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to the point of what you're saying, Brooke, like the, uh, what we're going to see from this is more of the same that we have always seen from both parties, which is more surveillance, more regulation. I mean, Joe Biden uh, in many ways was the part, was the architect of the original Patriot act. And from everything we've seen, it really looks like they're just going to use this to uh, to create a Patriot act 2.0 when it comes to, you know, surveilling uh, online uh, extremists, quote unquote, which, you know, they always, of course, lump in leftist extremists with that, uh, which means people that just, you know, radically want people to have fucking health care and enough money to not starve to death. Um, but that's that's what we're going to see. No actual uh, consequences for any of the people in Congress who clearly were working, you know, hand in glove with the with the fucking idiots that that you know uh, were operating the kind of more organized elements of the raid on the capitol. I mean, there' there's you can not any... that they I and mean, they rushed in there right. and were like, now what do we do? uh well yeah i mean there were some or or, you know organized groups more than that. but like but you i would bet my entire year's salary that lauren bobert not only knew it was going to happen but like was in contact with people it was probably the one texting people like oh here's where the people are now here's where the i mean she was fucking tweeting it on twitter she didn't have to text it to him she was tweeting like that's right You know, the speaker has been removed from the set from the house chamber like it, yeah, it, it, it's just no one's going to face any consequences except for people like us who had no part of the, of the riot whatsoever. Right.
3: Well, you know, like you like, like all uh, blunders in our our country, you know the the the, the incompetence is only outmatched by the uh, you know unnecessary and far too late overcompensation uh, via Patriot Act type bills. I don't know if you guys knew this, though, but last summer uh, <laughs> Trump let the Patriot Act expire. And like nobody really noticed it was there was some other bill it was attached to that he didn't like and he wouldn't sign it. And then like the Senate went on vacation and then they just like never picked it up again. So it, it like no one even noticed, like we're, we're so authoritarian, like no one noticed the difference, you know, I mean, not that they would discontinue right. all the parts of the Patriot Act that that, you know, allows to happen legally. They just, you know, call it something different or, you know, uh, you know, put, oh, you're not allowed to open up that file folder with those people's names in it for at least the next three weeks until we get
2: a new bill passed. Right. Not that it would stop them, they they've, they operated illegally without the Patriot Act, all, you know, for for decades. But yeah, right. They, it would it would be they'd feel slightly worse about it. They'd feel slightly bad about it if they had to do it without the cover of the Patriot. Act.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I remember a lot of the uh, interviews with some of the Capitol police, or you know, trying to find out like, well, why wasn't more done to stop these people who were posting their intent online? And there was a ton of excuses made by law enforcement saying, well, we have to allow for free speech. You know, people are allowed to blow off steam. It doesn't mean we take every thing that somebody says seriously. It's like you've got people on parlor where you have to use your real name and like register your ID your driver's license to prove who you are <laughs> saying we're going there to overthrow the government. And you're just like, eh, that, you know, who's to know if that's real or not? Like, <laughs> right. it, you know, there was this guy, some, some quote unquote leftist who got arrested uh, by the FBI purely for statements he made online. And he didn't ha- he didn't say like, Hey, I'm going there to do this. He just said, somebody should do this. Like somebody should do something. Like that's not say that doesn't make any intent. That, that's not even a real threat to say, you know, like, I hope you get cancer. Like you didn't say you have a cancer gun that's going to give that person like that doesn't, you know, wishing somebody ill is not the same as making a threat.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, you saw how the movement for black lives, I mean, if, if a few people showed up to protest the, the killing of a black person in Milwaukee or wherever over the summer, they were met with a, a force that looked like they were getting ready to, you know, smash down a seven nation army or something.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: Right. In but in that places, part two. Um,
3: it was very different here in Chicago and we just had our uh, office of inspector general put out a report about a lot of the violence we had here this summer. Um, and the police response to a lot of the looting because we had, we had a lot of fucking looting. It was like, I would never see anything like it. Um, and one of the officers who was interviewed by the office of the inspector general OIG um, admitted that like they re- would respond to a store being looted And there was just nothing they could do because they said, like, look, if we pointed (laughs) guns at people, if we shot anybody, we all knew the whole police force, all 12,000 officers. We knew we would have lost the city if we shot anyone that weekend. Uh, And it wasn't even just one weekend. It was all throughout the summer. But they were just they were terrified. And when they did use violence against people, it was with like clubs, you know, or, or tear gas. And that was when it was like very face to face confrontation with protesters. And by and large, like we we did start it our side of things, so <laughs> they were very reserved. And they, they deserved what they'd it. Like I mean, they do. fucking
2: deserved it. Oh yeah. You well,
3: know. you know, we weren't using lethal force, and they weren't using lethal force. It's just right. fucking. You know, they've got a gang, and we have a gang. You know, and we were throwing right. cans of lacroix right. and fireworks, and they were throwing haymakers <laughs> and and batons. Uh, But hey, we got that statue down by any means necessary eventually, so that's good. Uh, Our city is actually reviewing over 500 different statues and monuments around the city that may or may not be problematic, and they identified 40 of them that are definitely problematic uh, three of them are statues of Lincoln. So, how's that for progress for you? <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's awesome. Is that yeah. is Chicago where there's that horrible fucking patronizing statue where Lincoln's got his hand on like the head of a kneeling black man who's like looking up to him? No, I don't think so. Um, but you know what statue I'm talking about, though, right?
3: I don't. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. We some famous. Like, I mean, we don't have any statues that of, of, of him are problematic. It's just that people are, are understanding that uh, you know he he opposed emancipation and he right. you know, said, if I could have he, he brought the nation back together without doing it, I would have. Uh, and he said that, you know, a free black slave should never have the rights of citizenship. And then he went on to order, you know, obviously the hanging of, of 40 Native Americans, but he also directed all of his generals in the West to slaughter every last man, woman, and child who was indigenous too. You know, it's not just right. those 40 people. It's the mm-hmm. tens of thousands he had murdered. Right. So, Th- this notion that, well, you freed the slaves though. It's like, did he? <laughs> like, <laughs> why is Juneteenth a holiday? Because none of them were really freed until years later.
2: Uh, so, you know, which would, he, he also if he wanted left them. Federal to... troops in the South. Right. And he also wanted them to go back to Africa. Like, he, he didn't want to free them and make them citizens. And he was very clear about that. Like, he right. wanted them to basically leave after they've, you know, just had their lives ruined and fucking. You know, stolen from their from their. So yeah, he's actually
3: very disappointed that Daniel Day Lewis chose to play him in Steven Spielberg's movie. I was like, do you you really do your own research on this one, Daniel? Because he's he's not the figure
2: you probably think he is. Right. uh, Who knows? (laughs) By the way, that that statue is in D.C. that I was thinking of. It's the Emancipation Memorial, and it's literally just lincoln like lording over this this like guy in a loincloth like a black guy in a loincloth who's like kneeling and like and the word emancipation it's just really patronizing and everyone you know it's like the statue is really fucking you probably put that up back in like the 1920s <laughs> that's
0: horrifying right, right. it's just awful mm-hmm.
2: Right. And, and of course, liberals probably was like, oh, this is such a beautiful look at look at the benevolent Abraham Lincoln. You know, you just giving this man his freedom. But like, right, right now, it, it's just. But yeah. So anyway.
0: Well, so another thing that they're trying to push with this uh, capital uh, siege or insurrection was that uh, the, there's a an attempt, a rather lame attempt, it seems, To to say that Russia had something to do with it or if they didn't have something to do with it, that they would have liked to have had something to do with it. So uh, was it uh, Hillary Clinton on her podcast said this to Nancy Pelosi said that, oh, well, Russia would love to get your laptop from your office
2: good god what a a sentence i I can't believe that exists they would send
3: in jethro mcflorida man to go in there and swipe it himself and take a shit on her fucking (laughs) on her like
2: right right
3: i thought we had like this army of russian hackers that can you know steal your emails while you're out to brunch like what why would you need to (laughs) say it makes no it makes no sense uh, Can you imagine okay, anything just, you'd like to listen to less than Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi <laughs> on a podcast together? Right, oh, man. The only thing I want to listen to less than that is Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama on a podcast together. Ooh, you
0: Ooh. Oh, you, you had soul. that ready too.
3: <laughs> it, it, trust me, it, I have to it slow me. it down. So that I don't trip over my words, I have something many days floating around in this head. No, I saw that, and I was just like, really, on top of the drunk driving arrest and the problematic Jeep commercial. Like, now you're gonna Broke. come out with. Renegades, Born in the USA, a Barack Obama-Bruce Springsteen collaboration
2: podcast. Just, like, what? just completely trying to kill any fucking <laughs> semblance of, of reverence I had for him. Oh. God damn it, Bruce. He's coming <laughs> but, for yeah. you, man. He just, he's
3: just like, you know how you liked all the like authenticity and working class values I used to expouse? Well, guess what? <laughs> None of that anymore. Now it's just purely Aaron Sorkin dialogue.
2: Right, right.
0: Oh my god! So that's what dementia actually is—is yeah. is like you get to a certain right, right, age, and it's just all Alan Sorkin dialogue. Uh huh. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. Uh, Abby Hoffman, so, a proud liberal. Yeah. Right. Right. No, Abby Hoffman loved loved the system, loved democracy, loved loved the federal government. Just wanted it to be nicer. That's that. He wasn't an anarcho communist who wanted to completely destroy the capitalist state. Um. But yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, again, it's just, uh, and and they just announced like Hillary's writing a political thriller. Gee, I wonder who the, I mean, obviously the two jokes online were like, oh, obviously it's going to be the, the villain's going to be a mitten wearing Jewish man named like Herbie Zanders or something. <laughs> right. um, but obviously well, so it's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a Russian political spy thriller. I mean,
3: we fucking know it is. like. <laughs> and this is separate from the thing she's writing with Chelsea about the, the Kurdish women's uh, YPJ right militias oh. right which which of oh. course will leave out yeah. the fact that they're communist uh of course. of course it'll be it'll be like a like a hallmark network special um yeah no they, they like they're they're out of the political arena so they got to stay relevant somehow unless unless a bunch of pro athletes go on strike and then obama comes out of retirement to call them up and break the strike personally um right it was, so this this is we're going to talk about this on our main show that we're going to record here a little bit later, but I did want to mention, um, that, uh, so we, we've got thousands of Amazon workers in Alabama who are currently voting. They have like months to vote and they can vote by mail. So that's good Mm -hmm. too. Uh, and whether to form a union and Joe Biden, who says he supports unions, won't endorse their unionization effort.
0: Whoa.
3: And, No, no. Why? I mean, that's this is this is what they always do. The fucking mayor of Birmingham, who was endorsed by DSA, I don't have his name in front of me, put out a tweet saying, "Yeah, I support all workers, union and non-union. That's my job, and it's not my place to say one, you know, one way or the other." Like literally, it's it's the fucking Wint tweet saying the the wise man bowed his head and said, "You idiots, you fools. There are no good things or bad things." Oh, wait, Brooke, can we, can we swear on here? Is that, yes. Is, I, I forgot to ask you. Okay, good. good. I
0: don't
3: know if there's, like, it's blog talk uh, regulations to, or anything. Better to ask forgiveness than ask permission.
0: So, Always. Yeah, and,
3: and, the, and the article that I saw this on, it was, I mean, it's on a few places, but I saw it in Huffington Post. And the person writing the article had to try to, like, cover his ass for him and say, well, Biden appoints people that are on the National uh, Labor Review Board who might have to, you know, weigh in on this at some point legally it's like, that's insane. That's saying like, well, I can't say anything about the people or things or ideas or policies that I do or don't like, because I have a say in them. Like Barack Barack Obama literally came out of retirement to call pro athletes personally, to tell them to stop, you know, stop not playing basketball, get back in there and throw the fucking hoops. So the (laughs) the notion that, uh, you know, a sitting president can't have an opinion on, supporting a a fledgling union because he might have a, you know, people he appointed might have a say in it down the road. It's just frankly absurd.
2: Right. Right. No, of course. Um, Yeah. It's disgusting. That, that guy, by the way, Randy Woodfin, huge fucking disappointment. He was a, uh, our revolution back candidate. I think Bernie endorsed him back in 2017. And it was like a big news story. Like, Oh my God, this like leftist progressive mayor. Um, one you know, one uh, mayoral seat in in like deep red Alabama. And obviously it was in Birmingham, I believe, right? It was the city. Yeah, so, you know, it's a city, but still, it's like this is this is crazy. And this shows you that, you know, socialism and progressivism and leftism, whatever can work in red areas. if you just speak to those people, you know, meeting them where they are, which is something we've talked about on our show a million times. and that's something that you know, somebody like Bernie Sanders inherently understood is how to, just talk to people like, like an actual human and not like a, like a douchey, you know, 50 year career politician and just say like, look, I understand your concerns. I understand what, what the problems with the system are. And I want to fix that. Like, that's what, you know, that's what he could do. But, and so, yeah, Randy would, I don't know what the hell happened to that guy. Uh, You know, one of our, one of our friends was saying like, he lives there and he's ever since he got elected, he's been just a total, like the darling of like real estate developers and you know, the same mm-hmm. the same shit that happens to every one of these politicians when they get in office is they just get subsumed by the machine like they don't they don't rage against the machine they join the machine they you know they get subsumed by it but except for Bernie it's really I mean, Bernie Bernie ran him,
3: opposing but, a billion dollar real estate deal right. that would have privatized their waterfronts um, it even got the billionaire developer to vote for him eventually and admit that he's right, he was right and, that, and that, and that their waterfront should be a, a public development for everybody. So.
2: And he um, was marginalized yeah. for like 40 years until, you know, the, the twilight of his life basically. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah. that's, that's the kind of, you know,
0: I honestly you think
2: you have principles.
0: I honestly think one of the most uh, uh, threatening things about Bernie Sanders is that he does have the potential and did have the potential to bring uh, uh, the South and Appalachia and uh, the Midwest and and bring those states back into play on the Democratic side. I think that the Democrats kind of uh, rely on those states as, uh, you know, to say that this is why we can't win because those states are always going to have uh, Republican senators or whatever,
3: (laughs) Right, right. Well, we talked about this a bunch on our show. How they Democrats want a razor-thin majority, so they can say, "Oh, whoa, 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 we can't do any of that kind of stuff." The midterms are coming up, and we can't afford to, you know, risk losing the people who actually would benefit from those things that we're pretending to be for, but actually don't support.
0: Hundred percent. There's,
2: there's, lit- right. There's literally no majority that the Democrats could have that could be large enough for them to not blame not being able to get things done on the Republicans and or one or two shitty like shittier Democrats like they, they could have, again, I mean, we saw this in 2009 or uh, no, 2010, excuse me. When the Democrats had a um, filibuster proof majority in the, in the house and Senate, they had a super majority, uh, but it and, wasn't veto proof, Anthony. And you know, all right. No, it's 59 Democrats votes, had
3: 59 senators. <laughs> if it's not veto proof, there's no way they can push it forward with a democratic president, in the white house.
2: They literally, would blame like Joe Lieberman for the public option, not passing when they literally passed Obamacare, you know, six months later, however much later it was with 51 votes or, you know, whatever it was, a simple majority, but through budget reconciliation, because they realized they couldn't get a single Republican vote for it, regardless of how tailored to the Republicans it was. And I mean, you know, we've talked about it again, that we've talked about it a million times, but it was, not even tailored to Republicans. It was stolen from Republicans. It was Mitt Romney's healthcare plan from the Heritage Foundation. It's a right-wing, uh, stupidly designed plan that funnels money into private insurance. Uh, you know, then spoiler alert, we're gonna get more of the same from Joe Biden, whose big signature healthcare proposal is giving subsidies to people who are on Cobra. So if you like the millions of Americans happen to have lost your job during this global pandemic where everything is shut down and nobody can go to restaurants and et cetera, et cetera. Um, he wants to give you subsidies to pay the absurdly high costs of Cobra insurance, which is, you know, basically just the government letting you buy into your current healthcare plan that you got through your healthcare, uh, through your, through your uh, employer, but at full price with no discounts. So that's, he basically wants to just discount your full-priced, insane healthcare. That's so, that's his grand solution, right? And now. subsidize if you, it.
3: Uh, we're right. one of the ten million service workers, you know, food tables, bartenders uh, in this country that lost their job due to COVID who have no health insurance and had no health insurance as part of their job. What do you What do you do then?
2: Come on, man. <laughs> That's, I, I assume that would be Joe Biden's response in, in that in that case. Um, that? He, he would challenge you to a push-up contest and then threaten to fight you behind the bleachers or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, it, it's pathetic. I mean, Joe Biden is, is you know, again, just the completely wrong man for the times. He's uh, just a, a complete dinosaur when it comes to his ideas and, and everything else, and it's just... Uh, I I could not think of a literally, I could not think of a worse person, uh, to be leading the country in a time of crisis, this unprecedented that we've never seen in our lifetimes. And again, you know, we, 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 we can blame and I, and I do, I think they all deserve their share of the blame, the media for lying to people about who Bernie Sanders is and who Joe Biden is and social media. But at the end of the day. We do have to look at like places like New York, places like California that keep reelecting Diane Feinstein and Nancy mm-hmm. Pelosi over much better candidates. Gavin and say Newsom. Is, uh, Gavin Newsom, Andrew fucking Cuomo, who who just killed you know fifteen thousand grandmas and tried to cover it up. Um, we have to eventually l- look at this as a reckoning and say like this is. I mean, yeah, this is all those things and the the you know the apparatus and the propaganda and everything, but at the end of the day this is who a lot of democratic voters are and we know these people we have them in our lives they're they're terrible like they're in they're they're republicans in denial they think that they're like leftists or progressive they they'll, they'll say progressive or they'll say you know a leftist but they 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 really at the end of the day are more concerned with keeping their money than anything else and they know that above all else people like Joe Biden and Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi are capitalists who are going to protect their personal capital? Like that's that's all they care about at the end of the day. And ah, is like isn't, to feel isn't good that by okay if they're
3: capitalists popular. but they're still progressive? Like isn't isn't Nira right, right. Good enough? Isn't, isn't right? is no, Nira great. To uh,
2: to the left. Thank uh, oh, <laughs> you. Keeps telling us that uh, if we don't, if we don't like Nira, we're going we're going to get a war. Kevin McCarthy is going to become the OMB director if we don't like Nira <laughs> <Sandin>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my God. And you, did you see they're delaying her mm-hmm. vote? So they're they're literally right, going to right the right mat for, for near please. a tandem at a time when they they won't go to the mat for uh, 40 million people facing ev- eviction from covid related job loss or 50 million people who are insecure, food insecure or, you know, even the, the people who can't even get a vaccine now during covid.
3: Right. People like everybody. Like I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right, poor <laughs> Megan McCain uh, In case you didn't know right. that you're watching The View My name is Meghan McCain And I'm currently co-host of The View That you're watching right now <laughs>
2: Right, and yeah and, and state, I mean New York State's been a I mean, no fucking surprise With, with Andrew, mission accomplished uh, on, a, on an aircraft carrier, Cuomo As the governor, but they've been an absolute Disaster when it comes to the vaccines Like my grandmother is uh, in her seventies, I'm not sure exactly what age, but she, you know, was eligible in the first wave of vaccines. There is not a single vaccine in New York available from anywhere, you know, from like Queens to like Potsdam and Plattsburgh, New York, which for people that don't know is like border of Canada, like five hours away from, 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 Holy New York crap! City. like, the, the, like literally you go on the state website where it's like, Oh, here are the state run mass vaccination sites. You know, Westchester County, no appointments available. Putnam County, no appointments available. Like it, it's insanity. And you know, it, and I, I have a lot of issues with the governor of Connecticut, my current home state, and the way things are run. But I, I managed to get a vaccine super quickly. I, you know, I work in healthcare, so I was on, in the in one A. Uh, my They're my like, in laws yeah, were able to file for that one. <laughs> right uh my uh, in-laws were able to get one pretty quickly so i mean i, I really it really is a lot on just the fact that andrew cuomo has no desire to uh govern effectively and he does everything based on his own petty grudges and uh his you know based on boosting his image like so it's just but but well, again yeah, this i is, mean it's just, it's just to remember though that he came out with his own brand
3: of hand sanitizer Made by prison labor. Did right, made by slave that? labor. Right.
0: Oh, my right. God, it that blows my labor. mind. That is it's almost great. too it much.
3: Conference. Like it was a fucking, like it was Trump displaying his wine and steaks to the fucking news corps. Right. Um, but this so is fundamentally the issue. Speaking of yeah. COVID, uh, the, the latest update here from Chicago is that in the last three months, we have vaccinated uh, 4%. 4%. Oh, Wow. Now, is that a little or a lot? I don't know. But I did the math on this because, you know me, I'm a math surgeon. And <laughs> if we continue at that rate, we will have vaccinated 100% of Chicago in exactly 75 months. So uh, oh, six, and a, six and a quarter years from now, we'll all be able to go back to the theater and concerts and have a real life again. So I'll, I'll see so, you guys. Right, assuming, there a is zero muta-
2: <laughs> assuming there is zero mutations or new strains, which we know is, yeah. wow that's right behind the first one atrocious Mm -hmm. and this is and this is this is the fundamental issue though with the democratic party is that they're a bunch of uh capitulating capitalists and they don't believe in strong federal programs and there is zero reason why joe biden's number one priority coming into office shouldn't have been establishing a federal vaccine vaccine rollout um and he literally is like, oh well I can't, you know, I can't do anything. It's up to the states. You know, I can I can I can't force the governors to do this, this and that. Like you're the goddamn president. Are you fucking kidding me? This is a global pandemic unprecedented. You absolutely could say this is how these vaccines are being distributed you know, I'm not giving specific... You need to release all of your data to all of these companies and all of these labs so that they can make the vaccines. We're going to manufacture as many as possible. We are going to use the National Guard to distribute these to mass vaccination sites, and we're going to make sure that everyone gets vaccinated in the next three months. Like, there's no reason that this is left to this hodgepodge of, like, like people like, oh, well, the governor of blah, blah, blah didn't buy enough. I'm like, why are the governors buying, like why is it like left to their discretion to buy enough vaccines? Like what the fuck kind of banana Republic do we live in? that We're not just like here as many vaccines as we can get to every state at every possible second. Like it's, it's absolute insanity, but it's, again, this is the way they've responded to this entire pandemic. You know, don't pay people to stay home. Cause then they'd realize that there's a better system than the one we're living under uh, better to make everyone go to work and kill themselves, you know, and, and literally catch this communicable, Communicable disease and fucking die, rather than show them that yeah, the government can just print money when they want to and you know give it to everybody to stay home. It, it's just it, there was a it, uh, it just, there the was, news incentives was, are all
3: wrong. A doctor here in Chicago who was charging two hundred dollars per vaccination, and well, uh, that <laughs> was in the news. And they said uh, public officials said public officials, unnamed public officials said. There wasn't supposed to be any charge for the vaccine, and oh, they I said thought, it. I thought, well, exactly. What is the mechanism to prevent that when we don't have a <laughs> right. national universal healthcare program? So, like, right. uh, you, you distribute the vaccine to medical professionals, and they just decide to charge somebody. The government has no way to stop it because there's no other option. <laughs> so right. the, that's a good point. Charge is completely absurd. Right.
0: Right. So course, in in Florida stories. we have <clears throat> we have uh, a, a, according to the to the basic data here and Florida data is, is really screwed, but uh, people who have been vaccinated are somewhere around two million five hundred thousand and we need at least fifteen million for herd immunity. And so it's taken two months almost to get just two and a half million people uh vaccinated and so i think we're looking at the same uh length of time that that chicago is is looking at that it's it it, it just right. seems sad
3: <laughs> yeah we also the maps you know, of who's been vaccinated and where people are actually dying in chicago it's like the the white uh, upper quarter of chicago is where like 90% of the vaccinations have gone to and the lower half of of the city, which is all black is where 90% of the fatalities from COVID have been. Of
0: course,
2: it's, it's just, it's complete racism by zip code. There's no ethical distribution whatsoever, which again is only possible if you have an overarching federal healthcare system to ensure that, you know, again, it should all be based on population. The, the, equivalent amount, you know, uh, relative to your population should be going to each of these zip codes. But of course that's not happening because it's left up to these governors who are going to, of course, prioritize their rich fucking friends uh, and these rich counties. It's it just, it's so, again, I, you know, I don't know how else to make people see the way that this, this this country is structured is so backwards and with the complete wrong incentives. And it's just everything that happens is a uh, branch off of that horrible incentive structure in place? You, you sound know grateful that, and that Pell Grants, Anthony. Right, right. No, I am. I'm super grateful for the the the, the you know the refundable Pell Grant that I'm going to get on my uh, 2027 taxes as my next stimulus <laughs> check. But um, you know, this yeah, I, I just
0: this stuff yeah. reminds me of. Uh, so we we're talking about the the states and and. Uh, Uh, Cuomo and all these crappy governors uh, uh, and, and Florida is included in that for sure even though our governor isn't a Democrat and we haven't had a Democrat elected for 20 years in a statewide office. But
2: at, Your
0: governor's at, a moron. He's a moron. And the last one was just <laughs> evil, hey, uh, hey, but hey,
3: I can call my governor a moron. You can't call him a moron. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's, like that thing where it's like, Hey, look, I can call my mom a bitch, but you can't call my mom a bitch. <laughs> right. right. right.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, but it, at the state level, what I've seen at the state level in Florida is that uh, politics are run like the freaking mafia. And I assume it's, it's kind of the same in California and, uh, uh, New York. And all of it reminds me of you know th- those those great old Michael Parenti lectures where he's like where he does this this uh, uh, comparison of uh, mafia and American government, especially with regard to foreign policy. And I, I remember the first time listening to those and just being like, you know like he has the answer that's exactly it oh my god you know and but then you start seeing it everywhere you know it's not just in foreign policy it's not just in making war it's in you know who gets vaccine and it's in you know who who's your governor and and how they run the state especially in the case of you can see it so clearly with with cuomo it's just an overt
2: Oh, One yeah, I
0: mean,
3: favorite. so uh, I've always hated Noam Chomsky because, like, at the end of the day, he'll correctly identify, you know, imperialism and how awful it is, and then still endorse Hillary Clinton. And it's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, and, mm-hmm. so I just, you know, and, and couches all of his bullshit liberalism amid a framework of, you know, academic linguistics and yeah, all this bullshit. Right. And literally, like, you hear him talking, you're just like, I'm falling asleep. He's like a human quaalude, that Noam Chomsky. And you got Parenti, who there's a great, there's that like the Virgin versus the Chad meme, right? In the right, right, right. Parenti, and one of my favorite parts of that is, is the Chad Parenti is, you know, talks like a New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it will, will bring you to tears um, about. Uh, you know, his father finally becoming literate under communism, um, you know, and just like talking about it, like not shying away from defending socialism and communism and talking about all the great things that that it's done. And then what about under Stalin? He's like, yeah, well, here's what Stalin did that that you never hear about. That's good. Like, yeah, he was kind of a dick, kind of a tyrant, but here's all the other good shit he did too. Like, and he's not a parent. He's not afraid to talk about those things uh, in an academic arena.
0: Defends so uh, defends USSR at height of cold war under Reagan because he don't give a fuck. Essay right. exposing left anti-communism haunts trot scum to this day. <laughs> can translate <laughs> the can translate the immortal dialectics into easy to understand English, which is my favorite. Uh the Bobby <laughs> D of tankies. <laughs> <laughs> That's <is> freaking beautiful. <laughs>
3: Yeah, he had a a book that came out um, around the same time as Chomsky's Manufacturing Consent. Uh, And I I forget the title of Perini's work, but he there's just one page on it that goes into detail about every single media outlet in the U.S. and abroad that the CIA has people at like the top levels of those newspapers, op ed boards, you know, and, and that's that was like just totally public information back in the 80s. Right, so imagine how big their holdings are now with the internet all over the world.
2: No, it's totally fine, guys. It's just like the FBI; <laughs> they don't do anything bad anymore. They're they're totally magnanimous, and they're just you know just making sure to protect us from terrorists. They're they're totally not spying on uh, leftist activists or you know framing people mm-hmm. or assassinating people or plotting overthrows of leftist and socialist and it's communist governments uh, in the global CIA south.
3: Equivalent the CIA, GHQ, something uh, like that. No, no, is it no, that is no,
2: it's not that MI6? Or
3: whatever. Well, G, GX, GQ, H, something or other. Anyway, they had like a, a PowerPoint presentation from years ago. that they got leaked, uh, and one of the slides from the PowerPoint presentation, keep in mind this is like the CIA, like the British CIA, and the, the PowerPoint was like how to frame a target for sexual assault, right? And it was <laughs> like it just, you know, like a complete blackmail episode, you know and you you read it it's like this is exactly what they did to julian assange this is I was, exactly i was just mm-hmm. gonna say this is exactly
2: gchq by the way yep what is it again gchq the uh, G- government C- communications H- I- headquarters i was i was getting close they also have the sia sis mi6 mi5 DI. you know
0: they all sound like audi car models of them.
3: Right. <laughs> well, James Bond's gonna drive an Audi with a machine gun in the front of it. The other day I was thinking, like, oh, you know who play right. be like a great new James Bond? And and I was like, God, I always fall into that trap like everyone else, of so like who'd be the next Bond? It's like, isn't James Bond basically a fucking uh, isn't he basically a cop? You know, he's like right. a, secret right. a cop. cop. Like right. why don't we start talking about who should play the 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 fucking antifa super soldiers of the IRA who tried to bomb Margaret Thatcher? Like let's talk start talking about right. casting
2: that movie. Oh, I thought you are gonna make a a, a virgin uh, James Bond versus the Chad Ethan Hunt uh, <laughs> comparison because Ethan Hunt's the way better version of that if we are gonna stand either one of those two Mission Impossible. Yeah. So yeah. yeah.
3: Well, now you got uh, Tenet Wait. too. We can do the, the the offshoot of the CIA that are uh, time cops, which is Tenet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh wow.
2: Oh man.
0: So well there actually Crazy. is, you but. know, uh kind of up that alley, there is this weird uh deplatforming of of uh Twitter accounts that uh oppose NATO. God, Max Blumenthal was oh, tweeting God, about yeah, this. It was so weird. Uh so the Twitter introduced uh warning labels and it seems specifically aimed at, at, at uh, the gray zone uh, th- that applied first to Max Blumenthal's factual reporting on covert info ops, um, building off the policy it introduced in October to block links to a New York Post story about Hunter Biden's corruption, uh, which was also based in fact. And uh, yeah, and so now they're they're going beyond that and they're. Deplatforming—I guess you call it that—they're—they're they're, uh, closing down accounts that they see as a threat, like as if a Twitter account could be a threat to NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Alliance uh, organization. Well,
2: right, and they and they even said, like in the article, the the Reuters article, and Reuters was, of course, one of these people that were working uh, together to help discredit, you know, Russian and Iranian. Like that was the original article that uh, that Max Blumenthal had posted. And, and um, real quick, though, their program to undermine yeah. like, Russian influence was was just fucking
3: pathetic. It was like, hey, what if we got j- Russian journalists and they came over here and had like a tour of our UK embassy in Moscow? And they thought that just like putting like having them take a tour of their facility would teach them about like journalistic ethics. It's like, what?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> and they were, and they were right. openly,
3: like, bidding for like a bigger contract. Uh, with British intelligence to, like, do it more often. Like, hey, we could do a lot more of these guided tours. <laughs> like, that was, their, that was their big covert op.
2: <laughs> that, it, 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 it should never be forgotten or, or, or lost the, the fact that these people are not, like, genius-level intelligence operators. They're fucking clowns, which is why, you know, every time that they try to do something, like we see them trying to do a coup in Venezuela or Cuba – uh, it never fucking works anymore because it, it's all the, the fail sons of the, 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 you know, their fathers and grandfathers, you know, who were, who were the original CIA and FBI agents that actually were successful at being scumbags and uh, pulling out these coups and operations in Latin America and in the middle East. Like these people are all the fail son fucking, you know, legacy admissions to the Ivy league schools. And then therefore the, the uh, intelligence agencies. So, I don't know what the fuck they're doing like you said they're just bidding over who gets to so, lead these fucking guided tours and, of embassy and if, nailed it you know, like if if they had a bunch of uh you
3: know armed soldiers in the jungle training uh they could probably overthrow countries more easily like they used to but like now you got it's like i don't want to go fucking train in the jungle to wage a coup i'm fucking playing skyrim like i don't <laughs> <laughs> like, right <laughs> why would i do like do, they don't like, hold on there those guys that went down there from from miami this uh, Silvercorp USA, they thought they were going to be met as liberators the same way that like Donald Rumsfeld thought that Iraq was going to be as liberators.
2: Right. And It's we, just you know, getting it, dumber and dumber.
3: Right. And, and when you have a country where people's, you know, means are provided for, for the most part, except when you have, you know, petty capitalists creating artificial scarcity to, uh, you know, create those like food lines mm-hmm. so they can put it on the Western media. Um, you know, but they went down there and everyone was like, nobody joined them. Nobody joined their right. cause and they <laughs> ran out of fuel and were adrift at sea uh, and were like struggling to make landfall
2: when they were all arrested and few of them got shot. And um, just imagine they get brought in front of Maduro and he's like, you guys aren't cooperators. Everyone knows this. Come on. Like the same way that yeah. to Jorge Ramos. He was like, Jorge, you're not a journalist. Come on. Everyone knows this. <laughs> no, the best, the
3: best part of that story was when they put their uh, confession videos on TV and they were forcing them to wear, like, Moscow sports sweatshirts, right? And and in Western media, they they did their best to, like, recrop the image or invert it so you couldn't easily read what it says. Like, that's how fucking easy it is to embarrass the the people in power in the West and United States is to just put the word (laughs) Moscow on the guy's shirt we captured. (laughs) And they're like, oh, damn it, crop that out, crop it out. No one sees that.
2: Right. (laughs) Well, you know, you can't, you want you, you to be careful not to, to reveal the stain of your Russian heritage. Did you guys see that that Keith Olbermann tweet the other day?
0: It's breathtaking. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Holy you shit.
2: Right. You didn't see it? I, no, I saw it and I just, I always forget
3: that Bill, or, uh, Bill Mar. I always forget that Keith <laughs> Olbermann exists. So basically the same person, right? Um, right. Keith so, Olbermann, here, who, who key, that, couldn't even keep a job in liberal media for more than five months at a time for the last 20 years? Right. Right.
2: Right. I just, I believe. he <laughs> so says, I just read the tweet real quick. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Go re- read I it, please. It.
2: Oh, sure. Okay. So, um, he, he, he quote tweeted some story about the New York Rangers, which I didn't care enough to research, but, uh, he says, uh, gotta say I've lived my entire life with the stain of Russian heritage in my family. Then came their conspiracy to alter the 2016 election. A year later, they hacked my computer. But now they've attacked my boy Panarin, so I'll make it official. Fuck you, Vladimir Putin. Like, just just get him a padded room already, right? Jesus Christ. Uh,
3: like they hacked his computer. Like, how does he even know that? Who told he, him that?
0: He 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 probably spilled chai tea in his laptop and has been blaming it on the Russians.
3: Yeah. Well, right. again, it's one of these things where it's like, oh, the the the, the email. Uh, that that was sent to John Podesta that he clicked on that fished his passport was was a Russian email address. It's like, oh wow, <laughs> crack team of investigators. <laughs>
0: in you never but see I, those I, anymore. You,
3: you can't get a <laughs> Russian email address unless you work inside the Kremlin. That's you. There's no other way.
0: Everybody knows that.
2: Um,
3: right. Going back to Blumenthal, I, I saw that uh, somebody had tweeted out a bunch of pictures of like. Bill Clinton with Jeffrey Epstein and then like Bill Clinton get his shoulders rubbed by a teenage girl. And right. somebody posted these images together and Twitter put the, a warning saying these images may so, have been obtained
2: through hacking. Did you see so that? What, what? What they were <laughs> doing is so, so they put that warning under the gray zone article, right? So people figured out how to like, if, if you cop, if you paste the link to that article anywhere in a tweet, there's a way you can paste the link and kind of hide it in a tweet. Where you paste it under something, you, like you paste a photo, a photo first, and then you put it under, so the link doesn't appear, but it's still within the body of the tweet when you click on it. So it looks like it's just Twitter saying these materials that may have been obtained through hacking, and people were putting, like you said, that pictures of that, the that that famous fucking uh, painting of, of Bill Clinton in a dress that Jeffrey Epstein had on his <laughs> so it was um, just Manhattan a it wasn't a part, right. Well, I mean, it, it, they didn't put that under those pictures, but they put that on the article. Like, they literally right. put a fucking warning under the factual article of like, hey, don't yeah, read these. It. They'll, okay. be, they'll okay. be, yeah, sensitive to that. feelings.
0: Someone did, they- <laughs> did Joyanne Reed's old blog posts that are all homophobic, you know, that were, you know, no. <laughs> hack victim or homophobe. Hackers. <laughs>
3: So there was a a guy who tweeted, I retweeted this guy. uh, He tweeted out, not going to lie, if an article has a warning from Twitter under it that says that uh, the contents of the article may have been obtained through hacking, I'm about 6,000 times more likely to read that article.
0: Totally. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'm going to totally keep doing that. I'm going to do that. I think you put it in the (laughs) image, uh, in the image description somehow. Oh, Uh,
2: okay. Right. That's what you do. Mm
0: Mm-hmm so uh
2: sure I, go I ahead i wonder if that if i did that on our on our podcast if they would like just completely flag it or take our account down but it might be it might be worth it and or funny to uh, put that under the <laughs> yeah. podcast link this week. Our, our listener numbers with some shit like that like did you know we're trying
3: to be silenced <laughs>
0: Total. Oh, you gotta do it. <laughs> I'm gonna
3: do it. I'm gonna do it. Right. Uh, I might get it's nuked or whatever. Gone too far. I'm, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I love like misusing the the term cancel culture. Now that like everyone does it, uh, Jen Gunker saying that you know, you know, if we don't if we don't uh, confirm Iratandan to to the you know the office of money, then that's that's cancel culture. Um, and now everyone's mm-hmm. been sharing this link to this Forbes article about the the F-35 stealth fighter that's wasted like $150 quadrillion uh, that doesn't work. Right. And the, the article is really funny the way it's written. Actually, the guy who wrote it, like, really, really drives home how ridiculous the entire concept of, you know, fighting a Cold War that doesn't exist anymore. But uh, his headline was, uh, U.S. Air Force admits the F-35 mm-hmm. stealth fighter has failed, and I, I quote tweeted that I said, "Damn, the Air Force is just straight up cancel culture they're their 1.5 trillion dollar jet fighter."
2: <laughs> right. It's actually 1.9, 1.9 $1. 9 trillion dollars. Never used it in an operation. 1.9 outside of like training operations. 1.9 trillion dollars, which is such an unfathomable about, uh, unfathomable amount of money.
0: It is 5,700 dollars for every uh, person in the United States. Someone figured it out earlier. So I will take that in, in my $50,000 check please. Yeah.
3: <laughs> each, each plane, each plane costs $100 million. Uh, and each time you fly it, it's another $100,000 in fuel. Um, Cause the thing weighs 25 tons. Wow! Huh. Like, that's like flying a tank. That's like, Hey, see that, that tank over there. We need to, you know, give it enough uh, lift and thrust so that it flies around in the air at subsonic speeds like that's how much an entire like jetliner weighs right and those things right. have multiple engines this thing's got to have like one fucking and yeah and it's like what are we who are we fighting who, like what's where is the air war we're never going to have an i mean the only air wars are when we have a, un, a you know an aerial drone that's miles up with a you know infrared camera bombing people at a
2: wedding right like that's the only air war right. there's ever going to be again problem is, like, a bunch of people who fucking grew up watching Independence Day became fucking, you know, like, f- fighter jet designers, and they thought, like, oh, shit, we gotta have these fucking high-tech stealth, you know, bombers that fucking weigh a thousand pounds and deliver massive payloads in case we ever have, have to take on the uh, the, the different alien fucking inv- like, it's just like you, there's no practical use for those fucking planes. Like e- oh, like even uh, in their warped sense of warfare, there's no use for those fucking planes.
3: No, there's no use for it. And, and even admitted in this article that like, it wasn't supposed to like, we could have a couple of these, mm-hmm. but they use this analogy over and over, you know, the, the F-35 is like a Ferrari, but you don't take your Ferrari to work every day. And it's like, why do we have it? <laughs> what, why does the Air Force want one thousand of them? Like you, right. So, but but I saw this article uh, yesterday. Um, the the newest threat from China is that they're going to train their pilots to think independently, like American pilots. So, all this oh time, my god,
0: we've been told to, <laughs> to fear
3: China because they're communists and they all think you know, with the hive mind, they're all linked together somehow, and they're not allowed to have individual liberty or freedom. And now the, the thing we're worried about is that Ch- the Chinese people are going to adopt individual freedom and liberty uh, in, in the trading programs for the air force pilots. So it's like, Oh fuck. <laughs> we, we, we wanted China to, to reject communism, and embrace individual
2: liberty, but no, not like that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh fuck's sake. Yeah. I, I just, I can't. These people are just such clowns
0: well listen Ooh. i'm gonna i'm gonna uh stop it there because i want you guys to still have some of this juice for your show uh sure. that you're going to be recording directly after this and i think we're right at an hour or close to Perfect. close enough to it so like thank you so much for for joining us tell people how to find your uh how to find you guys online and how to find your uh podcast
2: anthony yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having us on also, of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, people can find our show at, uh, soundcloud.com slash move left. Uh, we are on, uh, iTunes also, Apple podcasts, search for us out there, uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash move left idiots. Um, and I'm on Twitter at move underscore left. I always post all the episodes each week as we record them. Uh, Brooke was on last week with us uh, right last week 2 weeks ago uh, on the 6th <laughs> it was
3: on the 6th oh dude, was we it on the, the today, yeah on, on this episode
2: <laughs> so <laughs> we did. We did. uh time flies time flies it does flies. <laughs> we're it was having six fun weeks ago right, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah um, so go check that out and i am also on
3: twitter at bike slutty uh i have a little fu- something funny to share so but yeah at Twitter, at Mike Slutty, somebody randomly in the replies of a, a Kelly Brakeman tweet that I replied to <laughs> said to me, I don't know why I need to know this, but is your name a nickname, <laughs> uh, a, a reference to what you do, or a suggestion <laughs> referring nice. to Mike Slutty? And I just replied, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only correct answer. <laughs> right? It's like was why you the appropriate why answer. only one. It's just... It's,
0: awesome <laughs> that's awesome well hey, thank you guys awesome. and uh, i can't yeah, wait to hear your on. episode we'll next week okay thank you anthony thank you comrade and everyone else please go subscribe to move left idiots on your favorite podcatching entity All right. We have Janine Maloff with the Justice Report. And today, Janine is continuing her series on not dying for Wall Street. And I understand, Janine, that you have some information on how people have been profiteering off of COVID.
4: Yes. Yes, I do. And I'm going to get right into it. So yes, this is part of our earlier series, a continuation of our hashtag, Not Dying for Wall Street series. Everybody needs to check it out. We will be continuing this for a while, unfortunately. So the International Policy Institute published a report that is titled, quote, uh, Billionaire Bonanza. In fact, the full report title is Billionaire Bonanza 2020 Wealth Windfalls, Tumbling Taxes, and Pandemic Profiteers. And this report has served as the keystone of other investigations reported all over the world. This has been the documentation they've been using to expose how the billionaire class and how large large corporations have been profiteering off of not only off of COVID, but off of taxpayer funded programs. And some other things I'm gonna get to at the end of the report, which frankly are kind of illegal. So let's get into it. So Billionaire Bonanza 2020 Wealth Windfalls Tumbling Taxes and Pandemic Profiteers. That particular report has been featured in in over 200 media stories in both the U- US and the global press and coverage that has mentioned this report includes the following: Reuters, Newsweek, New York Post, The New York Times, Washington Post, Fox News, investing.com, Nasdaq, GQ, U.S. News & World Report, Fortune, The Week, Business Insider, Futurism, BillMoyers.com, L.A. Progressive, In These Times, Yahoo Finance, Gizmondo, and GQ Magazine, and Jacobin. And that's just really, the, for the most part, the American press. So New Republic has a piece called Billionaires Are Eating the Economy, and so on and so forth. Now, the Billionaire Bonanza Report, Was fact checked as true by USA Today. In fact, USA Today said that the methodology used by IPS in the Billionaire Bonanza report was among the best methodology they had seen in a long time. So, there's also a piece in USA Today by Molly Stellino. Again, this was the fact check. Quote: The super rich did indeed get richer in early weeks of coronavirus pandemic, and there's a reason. There, the timing of this is what actually lends to, at the end of the report, uh, suspected criminality. So even the Football Times reported, uh, apparently in Football Times, James Benge wrote, Arsenal owner Stan Krenke's wealth increases by $323 million as players take wage cut. That was in May. Benge also wrote, quote, the wealth of Arsenal owner Stan Krenke has increased over $300 since the start of 2020, a study by a leading American think tank has revealed, which is IPS. Um, International coverage was, you know, documented by inequality.org, which is with IPS. International coverage of the billionaire Bonanza report was included in Singapore Straits Times, in Portugal's Observador, in the Daily Mail in Australia, Canada's Regina Leader Post, Sunday Times in South Africa, International Business Times, uh, La Jornada in Mexico, Publico in Spain, CNN and The Guardian also commented on this, and so on and so forth. So what are the key findings of this report? I'm going to just touch on them right now. So the Billionaire Bonanza report found the following. First of all, between 1990 and 2020, U.S. billionaire wealth just exploded. Uh, 1,130% in 2020 dollars. Okay, between 1980 and 2018, the tax obligations of America's billionaires basically decreased, went down by 79%. Okay, there's a correlation there, folks. Okay, uh, between January 1st of 2020 and April 10th of 2020, this is very damning. 34 of the nation's wealthiest 170 billionaires have had their wealth increase by tens of millions of dollars. Eight of those billionaires have seen their net worth surge by over 1 billion, and those eight are the following Jeff Bezos from Amazon, Mackenzie Bezos, Amazon, Eric Wong from Zoom, Steve Ballmer, Microsoft, John Albert, Sobrato, Silicon Valley Real Estate, Elon Musk, Tesla, and SpaceX. Joshua Harris, Apollo Global Management, and Rocco Comiso of Media.com. Now, it's understandable that, for instance, Amazon and Zoom and even Microsoft, they would see their businesses uh, climb because we're making more use of having things delivered. Uh, We're making more use of the Internet. It makes perfect sense, but there's more to it than just that. Okay, now the report did have some recommendations that I'm I'm going to um, talk about very quickly. The recommendations, according to the report, was that we need to establish a Pandemic Profiteering Oversight Committee that goes beyond oversight of stimulus funds, okay? We need to discourage wealth hiding through passage of a Corporate Transparency Act. We need to levy an, an emergency 10% millionaire income surtax. We need to unleash, I'm just reading straight from this, a charity stimulus to mandate payouts of donor-advised funds and emergency 10% payout for private foundations for three years. We need to make the federal state tax more progressive and institute a wealth tax. And we need to shut down the global hidden wealth system. And those last two in particular uh, are very important. Uh, In fact, we're going to get into that. So what happened? How did these billionaires profit so unnaturally? Well, there are a few reasons, and Americans for Tax Fairness published um, another report on pandemic profiteering, okay? And that included receiving COVID stimulus funds that they shouldn't. There was also simultaneous tax evasion. Those are points one and two. Wait for point three because it's a bombshell, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So, this report from Americans for Tax Fairness said through basically 11 months of national pandemic misery, U.S. billionaires have grown $1.3 trillion, with a T, richer, okay? So you kind of wonder what happened. Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, March 18th was the unofficial beginning of the ta- what I call the taxpayer fleecing, all right? Because that's when most federal and state economic restrictions Uh, in response to the virus were put in place, okay, they needed to happen, but there was more to it than just that, and why this matters. The billionaire profiteering, what it could have done to ease this crisis. Well, first of all, according to Business Insider, what happened with stimulus funds, that's number one. So we have here U.S. Representative Jim Clyburn. He um, last year was the chair of the House Select Subcommittee on the on the COVID crisis, and House lawmakers said that they demanded that five large publicly traded companies return ten million dollars worth of loans that were, you know, earmarked for small businesses. But only one company, Me M, Me Med-X, said that it was going to return ten million worth of pay of Paycheck Protection Program loans. Uh, another company, Quantum, said its $10 million loan helped save jobs that it would have had to cut, and it's not going to return the money. Only 48 public companies of the, some 387 that received PPP loans have returned the money. Okay. And so, you know, basically the committee really um Nobody went to town on them, all right? There were large corporations like Shake Shack, Ruth Chris, you know, the really expensive steakhouse that nobody can afford, and the Los Angeles Lakers, they all returned loans. Um, And, you know, once again, they shouldn't receive those loans in the first place. These loans were supposed to be for small businesses that really needed it just to stay in, just to stay in existence. It was not meant for large corporations. That's just ridiculous. It wasn't meant to help the rich say, you know, basically profiteer off of, but that's exactly what happened. Um, so basically you, you know, you had then Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin telling CNBC His excuse was, it is unfortunate that a small number of companies that have created a lot of publicity that took loans, I think it was inappropriate for most of these companies to take loans, and we don't think they ever should have been allowed to. But why did they get it? That's the point. You mean to tell me that all these experts in D.C. couldn't figure out which companies were considered large and which were medium? Seriously? I have a real problem with this, but so that's part of it. Part of it is that they receive funding meant to help small companies and working people. And it went into the pocket of big corporate and it shouldn't have. That's part of it. Okay. Now we look at this, excuse me, scrolling back down. I have a lot of notes here and as the economy had to close down because we were trying to flatten the curve, billionaires kept making more money. In fact, a lot of the gains that these billionaires made were in the early days of COVID, very early, really before the lockdowns. So you wonder how did that happen? And then as the lockdown went on, well, let's look at what this could have bought, first of all. These billionaires Collectively, had a 1.3 trillion with a T pandemic wealth gain. That extra money that they did not have before the pandemic, according to uh, Americans for Tax Fairness and according to NBC News, could have paid for over two thirds of Biden's proposed 1.9 trillion COVID rescue package. The 1.3 trillion pandemic wealth gain that congressional Republicans said cost too much could have paid for quite a bit more. Okay. Here's what happened at 4.2 trillion, the total wealth of the 600 plus billionaires in the U.S. is more than two thirds higher than the total wealth held by the bottom half of the population, 165 million Americans. The extra pandemic profiteering could have offset a lot of the economic crisis that the pandemic brought on, which could have kept people in their homes, kept them able to feed their families, and allowed us to send them checks, so we could have flattened the curve. So apparently, some of the other estimates by this group is the one point three trillion wealth gain since March of twenty twenty. It's an early time. Could have paid for everybody in the United States to get a stimulus check of more than three thousand nine hundred dollars for every one of approximately 331 million people in the U.S. That should blow your mind. <clears throat> A family of four would receive about 15,000. And Republicans kept saying, no, we can't afford it. Okay? Um, so Americans, so basically Frank Clemente, who's the executive director of Americans for Tax Fairness, who's making these, who made this other report, these estimations, was quoted as saying, Even as congressional Republicans try to nickel and dime suffering Americans by opposing President Biden's American Rescue Plan, including its $1,400 relief checks, checks, American billionaires have reaped $1.3 trillion in pandemic profits. The need for this kind of fair share tax program Biden ran and won on becomes clearer every day as billionaire wealth balloons while working family hopes deflate. Um, Chuck Collins who's the director of the program on inequality at the Institute for policy studies and the Institute for policy studies basically created the billionaire Bonanza report in the first place was quoted as saying, quote, it is unseemly that billionaires have experienced such gains as we mark half a million lives lost and millions more who have lost their health, wealth, and jobs, end quote. And so what they go on to say is this, according to, John Hopkins coronavirus resource center over 28 million have come down with COVID and we know now more than 500, 500,000 have died from it. Um, collective work income of public sector, you know, just regular employees um, declined by almost 3%. Uh, 18 million were collecting unemployment as of January 30th of 2021 Nearly 100,000 businesses have permanently closed, according to Yelp and CNBC. 12 million workers have most likely lost their employer-sponsored health insurance during the pandemic. That was as of August 26, 2020, according to the Economic Policy Institute. And it goes on and on and on. 13.2 million adults, that's about one in five renters. about one in five are renters that is reported this January being behind in their rent. And we know that there's racial and gender disparities as well with communities of color and women suffering even more so. So again, why is this happening? The mysterious stock market gains of billionaires during an economic downturn isn't a mystery. Okay. Not at all. So we saw Elon Musk wealth grow by nearly 158 billion Jeff Bezos, um, grew, let's see. Yeah. Um, Jeff Bezos grew. His wealth went from 113 billion to 189 billion. Uh, Zuckerberg went from 54 billion to 96 billion. And yes, the need for technology and transport companies has blown away some of the bonanza, but not all of it. Here's where we get to the kicker. And this is a big one. This was reported, by the way, this last part, by PBS. And even though there were other groups that reported about this wealth inequity, they didn't mention this one little detail, and that is why billionaires and how they became most likely became richer, because they had insider information, and they sold short. Now I'm going to explain what that is. All the while, and the Trump administration supplied the real information to certain select people while lying to the public. So what's selling short? This is when you gamble against a business or a company. Basically you invest in a way that if you sell short, you're going to profit if the business fails. Okay. This is not the usual way where you invest say in Microsoft and you're, you are hoping the company does better because you will make money then too. This is actually betting against them. Why is that important? Well, here's what happened. We know by now, from Bob Woodward, that Donald Trump lied about the pandemic from the very beginning. In fact, he knew very early that it was not only deadly; he knew it was airborne. In the meanwhile, he lied. His team downplayed the risk to the American public. Okay, but there was a new report that found that key advisors to Trump were giving a very different message to other privileged audience audiences, such as certain elite financial traders. So Amna Nawaz talked to author and former investment banker, William Cohen, and this is from PBS. Okay. And, and Judy Woodruff. So basically what happened is this, uh, Amna Nawaz explained that in the New York times reported in late February, two key white house advisors, Larry Kudlow and Thomas Phillipson, privately told board members at the Hoover Institute, which is very conservative, that there was, they put an uncertainty about the virus and how it could really just devastate lives in the US, why it matters. Well, while Trump and his administration, including Kudlow, were lying to the public about the virus being, you know, it'll be over with soon, a message was delivered privately, allegedly, to a number of elite traders. And those elite traders who knew that this was deadly and that it was airborne and it was going to result in a lot of businesses going down, they had every everything they needed to short sell, to bet that everything was going to, going to just be destroyed. Um, and you have to understand something. You can make a lot of money this way. If you short sell, the bigger the fail, the more money you make. I mean, you can make... And you make a lot of money this way in a very, very short amount of time, literally in days or hours. So these gains that this billionaire class had were part of an insider trading network, which Trump and his team helped perpetuate because they granted information to very wealthy persons or at least their traders that was denied to the general public, all the while putting everybody's health and lives in jeopardy. So William Cohen is an author and he's a former investment banker. He worked on Wall Street for 17 years. He went on this program on the News Hour, and he talked about how there was a memo, and the memo was from these different, these private briefings on the true nature of COVID. And Cohen basically says someone had to be in the brief briefings, typed up the notes, sent them out to contacts. Those contacts made a way made made its way through staff and extra contacts. And basically the true information, the insider information, made its way to several money management firms within a day. Within a day. Don't tell me this wasn't insider trading. If you get a memo like that and it says, look, you're telling the public, the virus won't be that bad. But then you receive a private memo that's based on a briefing at the top levels, and you are told that from that memo that this is going to be incredibly bad, that businesses are going to collapse, people are going to die. There's no way you can keep businesses going then that gives you all the incentive you need to short sell. And if you short sell in this particular situation, yes. Could you make billions in a matter of days? Yes, you could. And insider trading or trading based on insider information is very illegal because you're, and that's what Cohen said too. You're dealing with non-public, conf, you're dealing with non-public, I'm sorry, excuse me. It's not like you're dealing with proprietary information that's that's private to the company. This should have been publicly public information because not only did it result in these billionaires making a literal killing on the stock markets by short selling, but it made a true killing because we know now based on reports from New York University as well as The Lancet, a very renowned medical journal, that some 40% of all COVID deaths in the U.S. could have been prevented had the Trump administration told the truth about the nature of the virus and and insisted that everybody distance and everybody mask, And and we take the steps that other countries like New Zealand have done. 40%, that's almost half. So the meetings that were talked about here, these were private meetings, according to Nawaz, that happened in late February, the 24th, 25th, and 26th. Publicly, Trump said on February 24th, quote, the coronavirus is very much under control in the USA, stock market's starting to look very good to me, end quote. Larry Kudlow, one of those top advisors, the man who conducted those briefings, Went on CNBC on February 25th? Now, when he was asked about public warnings from CDC about how the virus could spread, Kudlow said the following, quote, We have contained this. I won't say airtight, but pretty close to airtight, end quote. Just barefaced lied. So now, according to William Cohan, who was a trader on Wall Street, and I'm just going to quote him, If you're a trader, if you're a hedge fund manager, and if you're getting a hold of that kind of information, your first instinct is to, as they said, to bet against the market, to go short, go short everything, to essentially be that the market, to essentially be that the market will fall. And that is of course what happened. And if you do that, you will make a lot of money, end quote. So these billionaires made more money And a lot of it was based on that insider information, it appears. Now, we'd have to get access to their records and double-check things, but their investments look very suspicious at this point in time. And, you know, basically, Cohen was asked, what can we do about this? And he said, look, Cohen said, if we had a working Securities and Exchange Commission, okay? A working SEC, quote, to quote him, quote, would be all over this, trying to figure out how, who got a hold of those memos, who traded on it, what they got out of that, how much money they made. But I'm afraid in this administration, all the people, many of the people who run these agencies are beholden to Donald Trump, and they don't investigate things like this, end quote. Cohen went on to call out uh, some additional suspicious trading in Chicago on something called E minis, and that was in October and in January. The Chicago Board of Options E minis are apparently future options, and some people got got this information that was moving markets before other people. They traded on it, and according to Cohen, they made tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. But again, no investigation. Okay, and this is something that we have to really look at because the fact is when you invest in the stock market even if you have a lot of stock you don't make money that fast that's not how it works but this is basically this when you sell these people that sold short with insider information that is the financial equivalent of playing playing poker with a dirty deck and a dirty dealer, period. And that's what we're dealing with now. So what can we do about some of this? Well, among others, I, re- I did read off some of those suggestions. Bernie Sanders suggested that we need to tax billionaire wealth, um, especially the gains that, they, that occurred during the pandemic. And that this could go to expand and extend unemployment benefits, it could improve pandemic payouts up up to $6,000 per family. Um, it could go towards an initiative to prevent families from being evicted or foreclosed on. It could provide hazard pay to frontline workers and so on. And it could also provide continued health coverage for laid-off workers, COVID tre- treatment aid to schools and colleges, testing and contact tracing, all the things we need. All right? Put bluntly. Now, I'm not talking about taking everything these billionaires have, but ill-gotten gains from ins- from what looks like insider information, which means insider trading. That 1.3 trillion, yes, that needs to that needs to go to actually help the people. Okay, we are suffering needlessly. We have been lied to over and over and over again. And unfortunately, though the Democratic Party is not fighting hard enough for us. And the only way that's going to happen, the only way we can make someone like Joe Biden become more like FDR is to make him. We have to stay on the Biden administration, keep nagging, keep hounding them, keep hounding Democrats. We need to target faux Democrats like Joe Manchin. We need to primary people like him and get rid of them because people are dying. This is beyond the normal state of affairs. And we can't even contain this this virus until we can pay people a check to stay at home until they get their vaccines. So, you know, once again, this is explains part of what happened with these these billionaires. And once again, when you sell short and it's based on suspected insider information. That's insider trading. That is the equivalent of playing poker with a dirty deck and a dirty dealer. And that's my report.
0: Thank you, Janine Mala, for an amazing justice report. We will keep keeping on with the not dying for Wall Street hashtag. So uh, be looking for that on social media and we will see you back here next week. Uh, Janine Maloff with the Justice Report and uh, and also don't forget Thursdays at 8 p.m. The Environmental Justice Report hosted by Janine Maloff. And that also does it for me tonight. And I hope you will tune in again next week when we do this all over again.